I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. everybody. Welcome back to Resource, Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. Hope you're doing well. Uh, happy Wednesday to everyone. Signed on in our Facebook group, Facebook group, Real Talk About Louisville Real Estate, here for another episode. And, uh, you know, we've, we've trying to knock the dust off a little bit. Marcy and I are trying to uh, get the hang of things. So bear with us. Hopefully, um, hopefully you're tuning in for for the content, which I think we've got some good stuff for you today. Thank you to all of our past listeners. As a reminder, if you could do us a favor, if you like what we do, uh, throw us up comments. I would love to interact with you on the live stream on the Facebook group. I would love uh, to see if you could go to iTunes and give us a five-star review that helps us out tremendously. Uh, though we are a local show with a local audience that does help us get more reach. Really, really appreciate it. So I have got an interesting topic today and it was inspired by, as you'll probably notice. So I am a creature of habit. I like to schedule myself in a very regimented fashion. I am someone who likes to fancy themselves a high achiever, whether that's 100% true or not, I'll leave that up to you. If you know me, please, please feel free to weigh in on that. Um, you know, so, but, but I do fancy myself a high achiever, which means I try to get a lot, uh, a lot done in the time that I devote to any one particular topic or task. What that does is that leads me to practice a pretty substantial amount of time blocking. Now, I will say that in the past, I've become very rigid with respect to time blocking, and that is a def that defeats the purpose um, and, and the outcome that I'm looking for. It makes for you know pretty grouchy day to day, and uh, so there, there's a balance that you got to strike. But what um, the reason why I'm bringing this up today is I am coming to you live on Wednesday, you know, lunchtime. Uh, supposed to be noon. We're a little late today, but uh, we'll get it. We'll get it on track. But uh, what happens Wednesday morning is one of two things. At 10 a.m. every other Wednesday, we hold what we call tactical training. If you're a, a fan of the show, um, as Marcy can attest, tactical is a is a term that we have nearly worked into every single episode of Resource. It's it's a bit of a uh, it's a it's a it's a bit of a running joke around here. And, but tactical training is something we do every other week. Um, on the off weeks, we do small group meetings with our agents here, uh, here in the brokerage. And these are topic, these are, these are, these are meetings where we, you know, are either stalking high level or we're talking, you know, kind of in the trenches, like everyday applicable kind of situations, uh, regardless of whether it's small group or, or tactical today was a tactical training that tactical training topic was personality types. Now that may not sound all that tactical, but the spin that we put on it is how to put this to use 
in your day-to-day, how to use it in an appointment with a seller or with a buyer or with a potential referral source or in negotiating with another agent um, to, to position you to, to achieve your desired outcome. That desired outcome may be buyer representation, may be helping your client get out of their own way to make an offer on a listing that's perfectly meets their criteria. It may be um, hiring you to start looking at property. It may be to list their largest financial asset, their, their, their home that they live in with their family. It may help you if you're a leader, you know, gain uh, more recruits to your company or your team. It may help you uh, negotiate with another agent to get the buyer or seller to meet your client in the middle. Any of these things are applicable and tactical applications of knowledge that you can you can learn about personality profiles and types. So I'm not going to get too deep into personality profiles, but that's certainly you know a conversation topic that we had here in the brokerage. What it led me to, essentially today, was the recognition that personality profiles and understanding of them are only half the equation. Half the equation is having context and understanding for the types of people and the trends and tendencies of the clients that you may meet on a daily basis. Where the rub really is and where you can make a difference as an agent is understanding how to communicate effectively as a result of understanding those personality types. So I'm not going to go into how to, I had every intention of coming up here and giving you um, a little bit of a little bit of what we discussed in our tactical training this morning, but but it, it made me reflect on some information that my coach gave me a number of years ago and continues to deliver in seminars around the country. Those of you that are not familiar, I coach with Tom Ferry's organization have have since 2013, and um, a childhood friend, I dare say, almost best friend of his, Bill Pipes, who leads the Tom Ferry Sales Edge training is my personal coach. So he always opens Sales Edge, which is a sales and influence training, okay? It's, it's, it's how to win in a competitive environment. It's how to win um, you know, your desired outcome. But sales and influence, uh, what you say, how you say it, who you are, the image you present are all very important. And he, he teaches on day one, and I would venture to say it's almost like the first 30 minutes of the sales training, um, seven, seven tactics, seven things to focus on in order to have really, really honest, genuine, and effective communication in a sales situation. So I'm going to go through those with you today. And there may be some, some spillover from our, our personality profile training. Of course, I will say, um, just for, for reference that your, my preferred, uh, personality assessment is the disc profile, which is pretty prevalent in the real estate industry. You'll see it. There's a free one available on Tony Robbins website. Uh, just Google Tony Robbins disc and you will find this. Um, you can download PDFs. Um, I'm sitting here looking at my personality profile, um, as well. Well, one from 2014, and another from 2018 with a companion 
um, values assessment, which I think it, it helps you. We've encouraged everyone here at the brokerage to take these kind of things. We have them on my personal sales team. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. I would, I would encourage you to go take a look at it and, and believe it or not, having a healthy grasp of personality profiles is going to help you help others communicate with you more effectively, understanding your own personality type and what, um, what that does for your business and how people receive you is a very, very important point of self-reflection. So I would highly recommend it. Um, those of you that can't seem to find access to it, feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to make you make, make an assessment available to you, but let's start with the seven, seven tactics for effective, effective interpersonal communication in a sales situation. First is the understanding, um, and I guess before we get started, welcome to Ethan Adams, Lana Gibbons, Tracy French. Hello, Tracy. James Bishop, Luke Andrews, Brad Kessler, first time, long time, sir. Thank you for joining the group. Um, so glad. Stephanie Wettstein, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Mally Wonderlick, my mother, Gabe Pruitt, um, former co-host. Gabe, we're trying our best, man. We're doing, we're, we're, we're doing it justice, I think. Marcy's doing an amazing job. Anyway, so let's go ahead and get started. The seven, seven tactics for effective communication. The first is understanding what types of communication actually resonate with a person on the other end of that interpersonal you know, uh, you know, interaction with you. You might be surprised to hear that relatively small a relatively small percentage of the impact comes from the words you speak. In fact, um, it has been it has been uh, estimated that how a consumer receives your message is on, can only be um, attributed seven percent of how they receive your communication can be attributed to the words you choose. So. This is a little bit into the contrary to something I'm going to deliver later, which, as you can probably imagine, res response patterns and scripting and practice are going to play a big role in this. They play a big role because they speak to your comfort level. More on that later. But I want you to understand that only 7% of the effect of your communication is attributed to the words you choose. So that leaves a few other methods of communication that you truly and, and much more vehemently project the message you're trying to project or, or unwittingly project the wrong message through these things. So second is your tone of voice. Your tone of voice can be your, your message can be attributed 38% to your tone of voice. So substantially greater, more than five times greater than the words you choose. More than five times as important as the words you choose is the tone of voice you have. So what you may be saying to yourself right now is when you add, the, to add together 7% and 38%, you get 45% of your total message. So you're essentially communicating with one arm tied behind your back when you're over the telephone. So understanding the effect, and I think this, what this does is highlight the value of face-to-face -face communication, face-to-face, -face, getting face-to-face -face with a client. You know, our greatest single KPI, our greatest single performance indicator is how many new people that we meet with face-to-face -to, -face to talk about real estate specifically. So not to catch up over coffee, not to talk about how our kids are doing, not, you know, to sit in the stands and watch a ball game or go to dinner with, or have a cookout, though those things are very important rapport builders, 
the single greatest KPI predictive factor is how many people we meet with, how many appointments, if you will, we take to show real estate, conduct a buyer consultation, or do a listing appointment or a listing consultation. So 45% is all you get. That's the best you can do over the phone. The other 55% of communication and the, and the effectiveness of your message is attributed to your body language, which most people would not see that one coming. Okay, now let's talk about body language. Now, obviously, if you walk in the door slumped over, okay, that is poor body language, okay? Uh, consequently, if you walk in the door strutting with your chest out, you know, and a smug look on your face, that may be bad also. My point is, is you have to convey confidence, calm confidence in the face of working with a client. Matt Hoagland, thank you for joining in, sir. Uh, So 55% of a client's decision on whether to work with you or not is going to hinge upon how well they receive the body language you project. So is it important that you wear a a suit and tie to every appointment? Not necessarily. Okay. Is it important that you dress casually in jeans and flip-flops to every appointment? Not necessarily. But do those factors play a role on how your body language is received? They absolutely do. Here's my advice. Look like you mean to look that way. Look on purpose. If you're California casual in, you know, in in some designer sneakers and nice jeans and a t-shirt with a blazer on, totally cool. As long as you mean to look that way. If you have extremely attractive three-day stubble, fantastic. Look like you mean to look that way. Don't look like you woke up five minutes before the appointment in the jeans that you had on yesterday, right? And and expect a client to take you seriously. Don't walk in slumped over, walk in with your with your head high, make good eye contact, have a firm handshake, be respectful, be on purpose. That's my advice. Um, let's go back to tone for a second, because I didn't really I didn't really address that much. Um you know, it really depends. Your tone depends on your, on your audience, your audience. It, what I mean by your audience is the personality profile of your audience. Luke Andrews, one of our agents here made a very good point this morning that I hear seldom shared. And I know most don't understand, but when working with a type a personality, it's important that you exert a confident tone. And how do you do that? You speak slightly louder than they do. That's a very, very good piece of advice. Now don't fall into the trap of one upping each other to where you end up shouting. I know that would be uh, an unfortunate consequence of continuing to try to exert dominance. Understanding when to exert dominance and when to yield dominance is really important with a type A personality. But we're going we're, we're gonna to move away from that for now. Okay, so 7% are your words. 38% is your tone. 55% is your body language. Understand the value of face-to-face meetings and you know, basically look like you mean to look sound like you mean to sound show up and show yourself as a serious professional and you'll be received that way. Let's go to number two, number two topic, number two qualification of effective, effective interpersonal communication in a sales situation is creating or, you know, generating and conveying energy. No one wants to work with someone who's tired and frustrated. That goes back to your body language. 
understanding how to create energy in a situation, how to pace a conversation, how to start positively and build momentum, how to bring that person along with you is incredibly important. Incredibly important. If you start at a level 10 and you are not received in a positive fashion, you've gone too far. You've probably encountered you know, an S personality, someone who wants to be talked to in a calm and concise fashion, someone who wants to be heard, you've probably overshot the mark. So readjust, get their buy-in, use your body language by leaning in, speaking softly, speaking like a radio DJ, speaking like you're talking to your grandmother, right? That's how you draw in an S personality or a stable, cautious personality. That's how you draw them into your message. Once you have them, then you can build excitement, but not until then. Okay, so understanding how to create it, create energy, how to adapt to what you receive on the other end, and building momentum is incredibly important. You need to be thinking about these things. Number three, very, very simple, smile. Smile when you talk. It creates the tone over the telephone that you need in order to be received in a positive light. Remember, you're talking when you're on the phone with somebody, you got one arm tied behind your back. You can only be possibly be 45% effective if you choose exactly the right words and have the perfect tone. So you have to get a 45 out of 45 there. There's no way you can yield by not exhibiting a perfect tone. There's no way you can yield ground in that particular interaction and continue that. Once you've showed them what to expect from you, show up and deliver it again in person and grab the other 55%. Remember that's body language and so a smile is ever so important to proper body language. You will notice that you stand up straighter, that you put your shoulders back, that you project your voice, that you make better eye contact simply by smiling when you speak. It's that simple and it's infectious. When you smile, the person on the other end wants you to smile. All right, number four. Now, some of you have probably, at least at one point during this conversation, rolled your eyes at something that I'm suggesting, probably because they're, some of it's painfully obvious. I think it requires us to reflect fairly consistently upon this stuff. But it's incredibly important that you manage the thing that caused you to roll your eyes. And that's your subconscious mind. My coach calls it the drunk monkey. Okay, the drunk monkey is the inherent negativity in your subconscious that tells you something won't work. It's the thing that tells you not to practice scripts because you don't wanna to sound too scripted. It's the thing that tells you that Zillow is the devil. It's the thing that tells you online leads don't work. It's the thing that tells you that real estate's not for you because one client didn't call you back and they went and listed with somebody that you don't know. What you don't realize is that it's their brother-in-law. Okay, it's the drunk monkey is the negative subconscious thought that tells you you're defeated before you ever start. That's what it is. Okay, you know, just now, I don't know if any of you are watching, I was twirling this microphone cord and probably what the, part of that is my subconscious sitting here wondering if you give a damn about what I'm saying right now. You know what, I'm letting that go. I'm gonna project positivity here. So keep control of your drunk monkey. Make decisions that you stick with in your proactive mind. Make it in your active and conscious mind 
and change those as a result of your subconscious very slowly. Now, I get that this is a little like fuzzy around the edges, okay? But the truth is, is when you're calm and you in, when you're rational and when you made this decision to get in this real estate business and you decided to put yourself out there for everyone to know what you do, how you do, and interact with your you know, network, you had confidence that was rooted in facts. You had confidence that was rooted in real world data, hard self-reflection, okay? You knew it was a positive thing for you to do, but when it doesn't go your way, it's easy for the negativity to creep into the subconscious. It's like a drunk monkey. It's like you can't control. It's like the way a toddler acts. You can't, it doesn't matter. You can't explain to them why, you know, why they can't walk out into the middle of the street. They'll never understand it, okay? You can't rationalize your subconscious. It will be there. You have to learn to defeat it. All right, so that's number four. Um, Number five, understand a few basic tactics that go hand in hand with a sales environment and interpersonal communication on a one to two or two to one kind of basis. This I like to call response patterns. Understand the way when someone talks to you the way they expect you to talk back to them, okay? So with that, I will say there are a couple of tactics that you can employ. Okay, this is where you should, if you're planning on, if, if you were ever going to take notes, and here's cue more eye rolls, now would be the time. A response pattern in a sales environment looks like answer, followed by ask, followed by acknowledge, followed by ask. If you'll notice that there are natural breaks when the floor is yielded, to the other party in a conversation. Those need to be held by you. You need to yield that floor, but you yield it after asking a question. So you're meeting with a client and you do this every day. They have lots of questions. You have some, but you understand better what's about to happen than they do. They're looking at you as a resource. Okay. So they ask you a question, you answer it, but do you stop there? No. Because once you stop your answer, you seem abrupt, you seem short, you don't seem helpful. What you do is you take that opportunity to ask them a question, okay? They're going to answer that question because this is the way a conversation works. When they answer your question, you acknowledge their response. When you're finished with your acknowledgement, which is usually only a few words, ask another question. And, the, and, and basically, this game of table tennis will go on, but it will feel very comfortable to both parties. So what's that look like? Um, let, let, let's, let's fast forward to, um, you know, let's, let's fast forward to, you know, one of the most difficult moments in an interaction with a client. Jay, what's your commission? Now, some of you naturally have an aversion to that question. Um, I'm probably going to use... Uh, um, a bit of an acknowledgement up front there, but I'm going to answer that question and I'm going to ask, you know, a very important question in return. So Mr. Seller, Mr. Mrs. Seller, I totally understand why you would ask that question. Um, We are a full service, full fee real estate company, which means that we charge 6%. We offer 3% to a buying agent and we get compensated 3% for our time. Now, of course, that is speculative compensation because we don't get paid up front and we only get paid for the proper results. But um, that's kind of where I stand. But I would like to ask you, I think I know the answer. Why is that important to you? 
Now, what's going to happen there is they're going to tell you that you're the largest expense of the process and you may even future pace that, which is the, which is a topic for another day and another NLP tactic. But, um, you're going to appreciate their response and say, you know what? That makes total sense. Well, it's the single greatest expense that we have. So we needed to know. And it's a, it's a something we have to consider between you and the next guy that's coming to meet with us. And you say, you know what? I, I, that totally makes sense. And you know, if you hadn't said it, I would have, I totally understand and respect the fact that I am the largest expense, but there's some truth that you need to understand about that factor. And that is, is that I'm the single most predictive factor of whether you achieve your goals or not. And here's why. And then you go into the rest of your presentation. So answer, ask, acknowledge, ask. One more thing with respect to um, this, and this is, this is number six, but it goes along the same lines. Okay, effective communication is you have to understand the concept that it is driving towards an outcome. Any communication, right? When your kids are asking for another popsicle and, and that the, the conversation that ensues is them driving towards getting as many treats as they can and you trying to limit them to what is best, you know, to is enough to allow them to indulge, but not so much that it affects, you know, their energy, mood, or, you know, health and well-being, right? So it, it's something as, as simple as that. But any interaction is driving towards a conclusion. The way you reach that conclusion is you understand that this is a process of selection or elimination. Okay, you, your, your client, your seller has lots of options. They have multiple other realtors. So all of your communication is hoping to eliminate others. Okay, so speaking to points of differentiation to your contrarian nature, nature, the way you're different than everyone else, why your philosophy is better than the next person's philosophy is really important. Okay. By eliminating the oper the, the other competition, you are going to allow them to select you. So, but, but make sure you understand where you are on that spectrum. It's not your decision to make, but you are the vessel that gets them there. The best way, and my, I noticed that my father, Jeff Pitts, just joined in, so he'll appreciate what's coming next because this is something that he taught me a long time ago. The best way that I can, I can explain this, and if I, if I had, if I had a, my co-host here, this would work very well. So I'm going to try to impersonate two people in a conversation right now. But the best way to you know, uh, demonstrate this exercise is the Queen of Diamonds, um, you know, interpersonal like, communication kind of exercise. The queen of diamonds basically just represents that you can lead people to anywhere you want to go by the understanding that a, you have a process of elimination and, and selection at play in any conversation. The way it goes is this. You propose to someone, and I'm not suggesting you do this in your listing presentations. You can do it with your agents to make the point if you're a, a broker owner or a team leader, but definitely don't do this in a, in a sales environment. Um, to make the point of selection and elimination, you say, whoever you're speaking with, there are four suits and a deck of cards, right, Marcy? Right. Okay. So four suits and a deck of cards. Those are red cards and red suits and black suits. Please pick one. Red. Okay. So you have red, red suits. Those suits are hearts and diamonds. Pick one. Diamonds. Fantastic. Diamonds. So in the suit of diamonds, you have face cards and number cards. Please pick one. Face cards or, or number cards. Number. 
Okay, that leaves face cards, correct? So in the face cards, you have ace, king, queen, jack. Okay, pick ace, king, or queen, jack. Ace, king. So that leaves queen, jack, correct? Of queen or jack of diamonds, please pick one. Jack. And that leaves the queen of diamonds. So if you run this back, I'm not saying this is incredibly profound or anything, but there were several instances where Marcy selected the choice that I wanted her to select, and I ran with it. There were also several moments where she selected opposite, or she eliminated what I didn't want to discuss. And I used that as an opportunity to suggestively eliminate those options. Now again, how does this play out in the real world? It's, it's suggestive language. So you need to understand that this, this concept is all about control. Who controlled that interaction between Marcy and I just now? Well, it was me because I'm the one that determined whether we were eliminating or selecting. More on that later. I'm not going to get too deep. We can do a whole episode just on that. Um, that was number six, selection and elimination. And lastly, number seven, which is going to be the most eye roll worthy of the seven, you under, have to understand that despite the fact that your words only contribute 7% of your effectiveness, that your words must be impeccable because 7% is enough when you're dealing against a worthy competitor. It's enough to derail you. Okay. Your words, if you got a 93% on a test, you would lose to somebody who got a 94. Okay. So if you come against me, I'm getting that, I'm getting that 7%. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm going to do it right. And the reason why I'm going to do it right is because I have practiced ad nauseum throughout my entire career and my life before my career, knowing what to say and when to say it. Those, are, those look like scripts, which some of you cringe at that word, scripts. They look at dialogues. They looked at word tracking. It, however you want to put it, knowing when to say what is incredibly important despite it coming, you know, a distant third place to body language and tone. Now, I would say that I'm a bit of a contrarian as to most leaders. I will tell, most leaders will tell you don't practice on good leads, but that's precisely what you should do. You should always be developing your, your repertoire. You should always be you know, sharpening the, the arrows that you have at your disposal to fire. You should always be like a, like a stand-up comedian. You know what stand-up comedian, you know where they practice, Marcy? They practice in comedy clubs. So name a comedian that is really big. Dave Chappelle, um, Joe Rogan, any of those people, right? Dave, um, Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. They practice in comedy clubs before they go out on tour and play to stadiums. Okay. You have to practice. Okay. You're only going to get so much mileage out of practice script practicing in the office, which I would highly recommend if you can make that work and you can do it with consistency. I've never had any luck getting any of the agents I've mentored to do it with any consistency. And I love my agents and they're amazing. And most of them are really well scripted, really well practiced and very, you know, uh, they possess a ton of appropriate, like fluidity, like they can roll with the punches regardless of what the client gives them but I've never been able to get them to script practice with any regularity. So, you know, you can accept that notion or you can reject it. But the point is, is you have to practice. I've been practicing my whole life. You know, I didn't even know it when I, when I started practice, you know, my father, um, 
he put me to work in his property management company. The first thing I ever did was like grunt maintenance on construction sites and such. And that was cool. And then I had a, you know, then I had a, you know, a lawn mowing business and I had to negotiate my own rates with my own father, by the way, which was awesome. Love you, dad. Practice. He says, um, Thanks for the mention, Queen of Diamonds. Look at the emojis. My pops is killing it right now. Anyway, so um, I went from from you know maintenance labor to construction labor to running a a lawn mowing business where I had to negotiate my own rates to answering the phones when I could drive, answering the phones and showing apartments. It's a sales environment, right? Talking to leads, pre qualifying, you know, understanding motivations you know, understanding how to deliver results, all that kind of stuff. And then I went off, went off to college. And when I decided not to move home, my father suggested that I go to work for my uncle at a car lot, selling used vehicles and Kias, Kias. And we sold some Chevys, but you know, Kias, Kias are way better now than they used to be. This was like when Kia was like three years in the United States. It's when they would sell like a brand new car for $4,900. Like it was like a Kia Rio with no air and like manual stick shift. I'm not joking. Like it was, it was a thing. So nothing against Kia's. They're great cars now. Um, not so sure they were back then, but, um, I was selling cars and, and I was cutting my teeth and then I got out of college and I went to work in the mortgage business and I did internet refis and then I moved into building relationships for, you know, a mortgage banking office. And then I went into real estate during the bottom. I've been literally fighting fighting to help people in the real estate industry my entire life. And, and the only way that you can substitute experience is with education, which is what I'm hoping to do a little bit of here. So, you know, before I let you go for the day, I'll say, remember the seven tactics, 7% words, 38% tone, 55% body language, create, transfer and hold energy, build momentum have an infectious smile, show it in these appointments, translate it from the telephone to a face-to-face meeting, say no to your drunk monkey subconscious mind, um, uh, understand response patterns, answer, ask, acknowledge, ask, you know, understand the queen of diamonds. Remember the queen of diamonds, the selection and elimination kind of process that is at play in every interaction and practice, 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 practice. If you're getting in this business, and, and I just literally got a package from Zillow, we're best of Zillow now, which reflects that my team, 22 agents no less, achieved collectively a 90% customer satisfaction rate upon, among visitors and interactions that we've had with visitors of the most highly trafficked website in the world for real estate. Um, I'm incredibly proud of that. You know, I would love to shout that from the rooftop. So, I mean, it made its way into the podcast. Probably was going to regardless. But this is a reflection of understanding, you know, we've got lots of work to do. Everyone does, but understanding these effective forms of communication and practice. And if you are a new to the industry agent, which I know a lot of you are, or if you're a team leader of new to the industry agents, don't malign any way to generate a lead because that lead, whether it converts or not, and we need to understand that any real estate lead, whether it be a referral or, or the most highly unlikely source to convert on internet leads, they're still converted at a relatively low rate. And, but it's an, what, what it most certainly is is an opportunity for practice. And practice is exactly what this business is about because you have to understand how to hold yourself, what tone to choose, and the words to speak. And without it, there is no success. So 
Um, I'll wrap up for now. I think that's my time for the day. Again, coming to you from the REMAX Premier Properties offices on Shelbyville Road in Louisville, Kentucky. It is 1 p.m. Wednesday afternoon. This is, uh, I don't know what number episode this is. I'm sorry. You know, I got to get this whole transition in and out thing, you know, down pat. Because, you know, my my esteemed, my former esteemed colleague and co-host, Mr. Gabe Pruitt, was the media genius that brought you resource. I'm just trying to hang on for dear life. Marcy and I are... I think doing an okay job. Throw me a thumbs up if you like that. Um, reminder, five-star review on iTunes. It helps us increase our reach. Throw me a comment up on the live stream. Uh, contribute in the Facebook group. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you want to see. I want to deliver value for you every day. Um, again, this is what? Uh, Wednesday, March 11th. This is Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. Thank you so much for joining.